It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Nostalgic Album Podcast, where we listen to the songs of yesteryear to make our current lives seem less shitty. Welcome to the Nostalgic Album Podcast. I'm Stovepipe. I'm Alex. We are six feet across from each other. We had dire news today that the pandemic is unfortunately out of control. And uh, so we are six feet across from each other with our face mix at the ready and these new pop filters to uh, where we calculate if we speak directly into them, we will protect each other. But we just want to remind you to wash your hands, social distance, wear masks, and don't die. And drink beer. And drink beer. What are we drinking? We are drinking peanut butter porter from Saugatuck Brewing Company. It's a favorite of mine. Mm, well, that's good. It's rich and creamy. Although I'm a chunky peanut butter person. Yeah. We'll fight about peanut butter later, though. This is a <laughs> podcast for that. That's all right. So, um, how was your week? It was... It was a week. I mean, fairly boilerplate, running nice and smooth. Did you get married again? No. Did you have any more kids? No. Okay, so we nothing too crazy no, as compared we to two weeks ago. The first one. Right. Okay. Just wanted to make sure because it was very odd to have a podcast begin with Alex is having a kid now. I never <laughs> wasn't sure if that was even desired by you two, and then it showed up on the podcast. Turns out it's possible, even. It most certainly is. Well, you were at the wedding, so you would know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it. Last week we had a 17-hour podcast as opposed to the normal hour, but we needed it due to the, the stress of our culture currently. That, and it was two of albums we both really loved. Yeah, it was. And so we, as you can probably tell, are prone to talk more about those. There's more to say. There is more to say. So let's... Uh, Let's see if my luck is finally grown. Is this the week Justin wins the coin toss? This is, is this the, the week Justin misadjusts his microphone. <laughs> the answer is yes to the to the <laughs> latter. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Uh, heads, because I want to be a head. And it sails again. You're kidding me. Nope. I God hates win. me. <laughs> We're still not doing slip. I'm doing next week I'm doing the flip. <laughs> I'll call it next week. Maybe that'll change it. <laughs> the world is trying to kill me. It's that simple. What did you pick this week? Justin's piss poor coin toss record aside. <laughs> I picked the other half of Fuel's old enough catalog, their debut album Sunburn. Mm. What did you pick, Justin? I picked uh, It's a Shame About Ray by my all-time favorite band, The Lemonheads, fronted by my all-time favorite songwriter and lead singer, Evan Dando. I sense that I know the outcome of the answer to our primary question based on the fact that you've written a song about Evan Dando. I've written several songs about him, yeah. One that's on an album. Shook Foil. Yeah, that's the album that I disavow, but I like that one song. I listened to it today. So I'm don't. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, <laughs> such a different time. 
That was before I performed a stovepipe, so I, I disavow it. <laughs> it's like finding a book of poetry you wrote in middle school. The album that shall not be named, yeah. i.e. all of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Did this album live up to the magic of your youth? Absolutely. This is... Yeah. I, I'm going to try and get out of the comfort zone of picking the fun ones, mm-hmm. the easy ones. Yeah, you got to pick a, next, a piece of shit pretty soon. On the next few, hopefully, because... Well, I I didn't feel comfortable doing it, breaking in the podcast. I wanted, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted you guys to hear why we're doing this. And right. The easiest way for me to do that is to find things I can easily talk about, enjoying them, and right. Maybe search for something a little deeper, or find out that I no longer like this album. <laughs> <laughs> what was your favorite song on this one? That's a hard one because. My favorite chord progression on the album is the song Shimmer mm-hmm. because, well, it's, Good one. it's great. I struggle to break the musicality of it because I never bothered to learn it. Mm-hmm. But my favorite song is probably yeah. Song for It you. almost doesn't sound like a fuel song. No. I, I love, love that, that chord, chord progression. Mm-hmm. That was, I'll only point it out now, that was my favorite song on this one, too, besides Shimmer. What is a good memory you have of being a young little Alex? Did you have long hair when you were a kid? No, I started growing my hair out when I turned 18. Okay. So I went away to college, and so did the haircuts. They went away. They went away. What's a good memory you have of listening to this album? <sighs> Lots of, there's a lot of summer drives. I. Okay. When my first car I bought for my aunt was a Toyota Camry. Mm-hmm. And when she bought it in 1995, she splurged for the in-trunk six-disc changer. Oh, wow. Which, I remember those. They had like 100 disc changers, too, that you could have in your did. truck. Yeah. Um, totally n- unnecessary now, but at the time. Unrelated funds. There's a uh, Cornerstone-related story as to the destruction of that CD player when it stopped working. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell that in a minute. Okay. Um, But that one is... That that album is part of kind of what I call like my transitional music. Okay. It's still... When you... Lyrically, it's still fairly heavy and sad and, you know, pensive and wintry mm-hmm. but the musicality and the arrangement is very much more upbeat Only right i feel like that album may have been written in the spring right i'm realizing right now maybe the pop filter is isolating things so so that our voice is coming better but we breathe constantly on this <laughs> i'm like i hear I, you go <laughs> I'm going, <laughs> the one thing in this current climate we shouldn't do, we're doing a ton. So, been, listeners, sorry. <laughs> I, you know, suffer, again, we said at the beginning, if you're willing to suffer with us for a little while, we promise we'll be better. <laughs> so, uh, I'll tell that story about this. Yeah, CD please, please tell, because I'll forget to ask so, again. So... My uh, my sophomore year at Cornerstone, that car started, well, it started to die quite a bit before that, but at that yeah. point, it was going through 
a case of oil a week because it was leaking as it ran. And then at some point, the CD changer died. Mm-hmm. Being, you know, 19, I decided, what better way to do destroy that than go, like, office space on it in my dorm room? <laughs> so I, I had it sitting on the floor. I was throwing it around, jumping on it, just trying to mangle this thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's a knock on my door, <laughs> and it's the... Uh, Hall director right. wants to know if everything's okay in here. <laughs> I said, yep, just uh, having a little pointed at it. And he just kind of didn't know what to do. He shut the door and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if he was really cool, he would have joined in and gave it a couple whacks. Yeah. Like, yeah, who wouldn't do that? Larry Rice was pretty cool. We can, we can. I remember Larry him. Rice. Yeah. Yes. He was pretty cool. I don't know if you I don't know if uh going office space on a CD changer was quite his lane He was of like an fun. older gentleman, mm-hmm. blonde hair. He I remember I didn't get in trouble because I wasn't an idiot, but my idiot roommate and idiot friend, we of course drank off campus all the time in an apartment and they both got pretty drunk, uh drove back to campus and flipped off a security guard and it was Larry Rice. He was actually really nice about it, and he kind of threw him a bone saying, like, listen, I know that if you guys say this, you will have minimal problems. Uh, you won't get kicked out or anything like that, So, which was kind of a no-no, I think. You weren't supposed to give heads up, but yeah. Oh, the misspent stories we could tell of our <laughs> time there. But again, I wasn't an idiot. I drank and didn't tell anybody. And I certainly didn't drunkenly drive back to campus and flip off security guards. So the sound of a newly engaged couple splashing into that disgusting pond. Oh, <laughs> oh, the candlelights. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was definitely a purity culture. Uh, thoroughly sexist. They'd yell, "Bring out the chicks!" Yep. While the women inside sang some hymn that has horribly sexist un- undertones, apparently, and then committed to at least five years together. I don't know the divorce rate in that. Campus is pretty high, but um, so fuel. <laughs> anyway, we we got on the rabbit trail on that one, but I like the rabbit trails. Uh, so, did fuel? Did you listen to them at all when you're in college? I listened to it a lot. Mm-hmm. It was great for in college. Yeah, it was yeah. great for doing homework or mm-hmm. sunburn. Is actually like one of the ones I listened to a lot driving up to like Traverse City. Okay, just. Great, you know, don't think too much, just right. kind of drive. Right. It's a, it's a beautiful drive. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any? Did you notice any recurring themes in uh, the lyrical content of this album that would have uh, that you would have connected to back in college when you listened to this often? And now, as an adult, did you connect to them in a different way? That's a damn good question, so I better get a damn good answer for that, that one. Is, that is a damn good Fuck's question. Sake. And it's it's sad that I picked a kind of, you know, flowery, or at least we'll call it emotionally flowery right. for me, because I have no real, like, <laughs> it's never something I pull out when I'm feeling down, we'll probably hear more of those yeah. stories when I feel down. Bring in a dream theater record yeah. <laughs> because, well, I don't have a fuel tattoo. I do have a dream theater oh, tattoo. Okay. So there's 
you know, if that tells you anything about mm-hmm. which band is more influential on my life and right moments. Although you get a solid, I don't know why I'm crying, but I'm sobbing story <laughs> when we do a Beatles record. Oh, let's see. I mean, I why guess, did you like song for you so much? What, 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 what are you going through now that I may have don't, it's weird that I connected to that one because it's like, it's one of those things where the lyrical content dawned on me much later, you know, the 10,000th mm-hmm. list and all of a sudden right. something catches your attention and you go, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is actually like a fantastically crafted breakup mm-hmm. song. Okay. It's kind of, that chorus is kind of, you know, this is my last effort. Because I don't know what else I can do, right? And then I'm just gonna leave it here, and right. So I don't know. The lead singer of Fuel, he writes the lyrics, right? He does. He seems to have a pretty good notion of appropriate boundaries when it comes to relationships. I, I'm curious if that's because his wife is also a musician. Oh, really? And so I wonder if they have some sort of interesting link to spousal communication that right. a lot of us haven't discovered yet. Right. And the fact that that makes them sound like mature people. And the fact that they're both musicians make, makes me think that they, because most musicians I know aren't remotely mature and are terrible with relationships. Your answer doesn't give me any comfort. So like, well, they're both musicians. I'm like, oh, so they d- shouldn't be together anymore. <laughs> And they should be horrible at communicating. I guess if you never see each other because you're both on tour constantly. Maybe that's it. It's hard to find your problems. Right. So you can't think of any themes this album has that your younger self and your current self would have connected to. I guess that's kind of the linchpin disappointment. I don't want to (laughs) say disappointment, but the fact that my life has changed so much for the better for the, the better, last yeah. like three and a half years right yeah it's hard to connect with those it's a little bit harder to connect with those songs that are mm-hmm. you know primarily hurt or not right or uh, that makes sense you know personal searching driven right so maybe you can look at it from a more objective standpoint mm-hmm. now than you could have years ago yeah i i felt a lot more of that sense of searching in my yeah. you know late tw- you know late teens and right. mid 20s than I do in my early 30s. Uh, you're satisfied early 30s. Uh which album did you like better at the end of the day? I'm going to go with the Fuel one. There's the Fuel one? Yeah. They're both Fuel. Oh, of the okay, I Yeah. I I jumped way ahead in the episode, guys. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. We, we did a little bit of the time warp there. Which fuel record did you like? I like the fuel one better. So both? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually, I prefer Sunburn to something okay. like Human. Yeah. I feel like Sunburn is the album that took time. Mm-hmm. And something like Human is the album that was meant to try and hold the wave on the surfboard right and it didn't really work right because their next album na- the third album natural selection is i think the last one with the original 
lineup. Consequently, it's my favorite cover art they've ever done. Right. Um, the cover art for Natural Selection is just the hand yeah. from Michelangelo's right. Sistine Chapel. Right. But they did it as an x-ray. Oh, really that's cool. cool. Yeah, that is cool. I didn't like the cover of the human one. It was too. It was too. Too nineties. You know, they, you could too, tell they made it for a CD. Like I like ones where clearly, uh, clearly meant to catch a particular right. segment. I like yeah. the cover for Sunburn as well. Yeah, it's it's, it's better for sure. It reminds me a lot of all the Nazis and uh, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I can see that. Because there's a guy holding a burning sun in a yeah. flaming room, and he's melting. And he's melting. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny that the 90s al- uh, album, I remember seeing some, reading some article about the reason why, in uh, what was it, uh, covers that were made in the heyday of vinyl, which is mm. back were detailed and interesting, and you could always find something new. Whereas when CDs were the main medium, covers sh- declined in quality sharply because you didn't literally didn't have the space to be detailed. Yeah. And I complete it was all this immediate, yeah. and that's why I felt like the human want there nothing less than human was immediately in your face, and I didn't like that. Well, it was, uh, isn't it? I'm trying to remember what exactly it is. It's like half of a robot face that has a nose right. ring. Right. Um, yeah, it's a robot with a nose ring. It's yeah, something you something, can throw on a small CD cover. Yeah, like, hey, that's cool. I'll buy it. And then, you know, it's meant to be eye catching in a five and a half by five and a half square. Right. Whereas a gatefold vinyl is like two right. square feet of pure artistic right. yeah. creativity, which is why you have things like the Beatles Sgt. Pepper's cover Mm -hmm. where it's like how many famous people can we fit on this cover (laughs) turns out it's like 75 right you can tell that I really like this beer because I just quaffed that one it's because it's peanut butter oh so good so um time for the elevator speech then unless is there anything else you want to add besides the elevator speech i feel like this one was more like you really liked it <laughs> that's yeah. about yeah well you know speaking to the packaging thing again yeah. we're coming back around to an era where packaging matters because right. you're back to a 12 by 12 mm-hmm. gatefold vinyl right. right and as a person who never really left the love of the physical purchase right. and the feeling of opening that package. Right. It's very exciting to see detailed cover art coming right. back. It's weird to see it condensed down to a CD size. Yes, it is. But moving on to the elevator speech, these are breakup songs and personal searching songs for people who think Mm -hmm. because they're not just minor keys and Mm -hmm. you know generic woe is me right or why isn't my life working right it's it takes thought to get to where they're going with that right do you have any idea what his personality is like no, I. That would be interesting for I, me to know. I feel like being from Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. he's probably pretty low key. Right. Yeah, they are low key in Pennsylvania. Never. I haven't spent enough time there to really know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a cool state, and it is it is a lot more low key. 
like Boston and Massachusetts is not low key and they aren't great. <laughs> Pennsylvania is low key and they are great. So I had a question. Uh, we got the elevator speech, then we'll, we'll move on. But is there anything about the CD medium that you do like? Like you could list 30 things about cassettes you like. You could list 30 plus things about value you like. Is there anything about CD that you like specifically to the CD? I asked because I was thinking about this this week <laughs> during one of my many alone times during COVID trying to the, distract myself. The compact, the portability mm. of it is much you know, more conducive than a vinyl. You don't no. have to, the CD, you don't necessarily have to worry that it's going to warp in your hot car. Yeah. You do, however, have to worry about the cheap screening that's protecting the right. laser writing on right. the disc because... I've mm-hmm. had a few of those where all of a sudden you get a hole right. worn in the little yeah. cover and it skips. Right. And I can do a hundred downsides to the CD too. Right. But um, I, you know, the the I feel like I, the thing I like about CD is that um, I feel like it's never gonna, it's always gonna be there. And I don't even mean that in like a, I feel like it's dependable. Like vinyls obviously sounds mm-hmm. better and it's more fun to collect. Uh, cassettes have the retro quality and I like how cassettes sound. I feel like CDs will never, like records might fluctuate in popularity. Cassettes might fluctuate in popularity. I feel like the CDs will always be like, eh. it's like your friend. You don't totally love them, but they're kind of dependable too. <laughs> the one friend you know you can call, whether it's yeah. for a party or to help you move a couch right. and they don't ask for beer. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> He's fine, I guess. Yeah. All right. But enough about me. Let's talk about you. Before we ask the yeah. important question, was this a first listen? No. I owned this album when Good. I was in high school. Because the the important question becomes irrelevant if this is a first list. Okay. So does it hold up to the magic? Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of magic when I first listened to this. I liked Shimmer, and at the time I was a conservative Christian, so I remember being offended by Jesus and a gun, and I would skip that. I love that riff. Yeah, I liked, and I enjoyed I it very love much. that riff yeah, so yeah. much. It's possibly <laughs> it's a toss-up. Right, for me between that one or uh, Mary pretends, which riff is more aggressive? Right, <laughs> I can um, see that. I will say I liked. I didn't really like. Uh, what was it called? Something more than human. Something like human. Something like human. I really didn't like that album that well, and I did enjoy this one. Um, can, you know, from an objective standpoint, I can. Since we talked about it last week, yeah. I can see why. Right. I feel like this one had a, like, I feel like, as I mentioned, I joke that he seems to be very good with boundaries, but I actually do appreciate that because it so seldom happens, A, with men, B, with male musicians. But um, I feel like this album, the music matched that sensitivity that I think he must have. That's why I asked what he's like as a person. Um, and a lot of the reason I, and I just felt like this, it was, it wasn't really a, the other one kind of felt like a new metal album, and this one just felt like a good alternative album. Uh, maybe like right at the cusp where they're like it kind of reminded me of Soundgarden, or I, you know, I feel like based on timing, this album was kind of released at the like the death of grunge and yeah. the birth of like 
I don't want to say true alternative. Yeah. It's kind of the same era as like Stone Temple Pilots. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that uh, placement completely. Uh, and another thing I thought about, I kind of felt bad about my response last week because so much of it was based on my perceived audience of this album. When really my, what the issue was is that I associate it with a type of person that lived that, that, inhabited my childhood <laughs> and in which I have gladly left. Um, but I, uh, whereas this one, I just was able to enjoy it. I hate using the word objectively because I think our ongoing discussion and the unanswerable question will prove that there is no such thing as objective listen to album, but I was able to, to take this on its own terms and I wasn't able to do the other one. And honestly, they sounded vastly different to me. Like the other one they sounded are. more, Chugga chugga, this one sounded more kind of flowy and nice and I'm curious if they had different producers. I'm gonna look I it up. I did. I, I would give if if I would, was listing this album for the first time, I would give it probably a B. Which I think is pretty I mean, damn good. Pretty, I feel like that's a much better grade than you yeah. would have uh, I would given. give like a C minus the other one. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you uh that one's uh Caesar passing for you. It's yeah. good enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. C's equals degrees. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> ask ask your ask your C student here. <laughs> Ooh, that's an interesting tidbit. I What's think up? they were. Uh, it looks like that's the that was released on the same label that the original Nickelback records were released. Oh, Roadrunner. On. No, prior to Roadrunner, 550 Music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Subsidiary of Sony. Of Sony, yeah. Huh. Mm, They did, in fact, have different producers. That that makes sense. That makes a world of difference. It does. Uh, Shimmer still held. I would say the magic of Shimmer still held up to, to... backtrack a bit to your first question well i remember when i first hear this song his voice almost sounds like i don't like dave matthews um but that's more because i don't like um it's jammy the 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 tenor of his voice i don't mind like uh, he kind of had that you know he kind of had that on shimmer except i kind of liked it better than most dave matthews songs i almost feel like he was a better singer on sunburn that's exactly what it is human which is kind of ass backwards yeah because you shouldn't be better on your first album i think it's their producer's fault it's probably it probably is he was their producer was probably going for a particular style right so building off their fame exactly going forward yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah I, i remember the first time i heard that i was i was driving around the backwoods of maine on a very pretty night um and uh uh, hearing that song and really liking it, and um, and then ordering this album again. I'm from Columbia House for my fiftieth order under my cats, my dead cats uh, name. But uh, yeah, really liking it. And and as I said, I was such a different. I was such a narrow minded person then. And here's the thing: I think the reason I like Shimmer was because the message kind of is evangelical. Because a little, I mean, you can stretch it that way. 
what's what shimmers in this world is sure to fade that's pretty separatist uh you know this world is not our home we're just passing through so i bet i you know that didn't hit me until now but I, that's exactly what it was that's why i liked that one but hated jesus and the gun what's jesus and the gun about oh i feel like it's the uh feel like it's a struggle between violence and peace a little bit see that's a great message i mean the chorus is fairly mm-hmm. for somebody who writes better choruses than that it's fairly straightforward right but i feel like that's a i feel like that was the struggle in that one right yeah i mean it's just i think at the time it was that i was conservative so like i always had something to say about guns and also anything that wasn't like praising Jesus, I thought was blasphemy. Uh, and so I, I just wouldn't pay close attention to it. Uh, so I did like that when I liked songs for everybody. There's one song, like, what was it called? It was really, let me look at the track list. Um, was there a song called Maggie or something like that? No. Or a girl's name? Fuck, let me, let me look that one. <laughs> Fuel, Sunburn is the name of this track list mary pretends that's the one mary pretends mm-hmm. I, that i liked that song a lot i thought that was a really solid tune i listened to that twice i think hideaway i feel like hideaway is a great closer because it's got mm-hmm. that gentle kind of right the whole album has a gentle, even the harder songs, not even gentle, they flow more. Like, I, I, I'd be interested in learning more about the production process because mm-hmm. uh, it, it just, it flowed more. Uh, it didn't have that, um, you know what, I think I'm going to listen to uh, something more than whatever it's called again, now that I've appreciated this one more i still don't think i'll love it but i'm, I'm just curious it, it, it probably won't change much I, I again i picked that one you know it was an easy field goal for me because i like that right album too but mm-hmm. this is still better yeah it is and i went back and listened to natural selection again today right. too because just because is it scientifically uh credible it's not they had a <laughs> But their song that they had on the that god awful Godzilla remake. Oh, it's so bad. Was that one? There were so many bad action movies then because of oh, Armageddon. That, that god awful Godzilla remake that went from theater to the three ninety nine bin at Walmart yeah. in like an hour and deserved every damn bit of that. Oh man, that you movement. Even, you couldn't even pay me for that. I remember they had a soundtrack of all great bands like they Green did. Day and Rage Against the Machine. The soundtrack is awesome. Yeah, but it, it's hard to separate from how bad the movie oh, is. Oh, so bad. I don't like the song Come With Me. No. Uh, that's the one that had, was it Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page? Yeah. Yeah, it was just, it was like they were trying to do Run DMC and Aerosmith, and instead they it was just shit. <laughs> it was so, well, it got, it got the Puff Daddy ego put on it and but that can work sometimes like run dmc yeah. had they thought they were fucking awesome but that they were <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference between ego yeah and carrying talent right and right. 
Here's the difference. Playing ego. Yeah. And this is what the difference is right here is that Puff Daddy um, is. uh, How am I trying to put this? Puff Daddy, I never. The thing I even as a kid didn't like about him is that I felt like rather than creatively sampling things, he simply tacked on. Um, he just he simply sang his rap over already made songs. Whereas Run DMC or really any good rap band where the sampling is creatively uh, knitted into the song itself, composed into the song itself, and the result is a damn good song. Whereas Puff Daddy, it's like, all right, push the police song. I remember when I used to rock the show. I'm a, that's the difference right there. It's it's please ego and it's not as good as songwriting. Every breath you take, which is actually. A- Pretty creepy song to mm-hmm. begin with, and then yeah, it's horribly creepy. Yeah. You tried to make it, you know, yeah, not creepy, and you made it worse, right? Just, just generally worse, right? I'm glad we see eye to eye on Puff Daddy, but <laughs> yeah, swinging back to the elevator speech because I'm out of beer. Oh yeah, <laughs> point is Puff do, Daddy sucks. Yeah, Run DMC do rules. You have an elevator speech for this? I would say yes. I would. I would. This is what I would say. Um. Part of my elevator speech was already taken by you, where it, it's placed in between um, two two um, connected yet different um, uh, expressions of alternative rock. I would say that this one is a very good. Okay, here's what it is: a lot of kids these days, younger than us in high school, early college, are really, are really fascinated by the '90s. I would say. If you want to hear a very specific part of this 90s that you are currently very interested in, listen to this album because it's, what, 1997, 1998? Uh, I, I feel like this album really is a good microcosm of the macro that is late 90s. Uh, and it was a very short-lived time. And, um, and I'd be curious, that would be my elevator speech, and I would be curious to know if, on a visceral level, they liked this album or didn't like it. You know, because it is—it's different than a lot of the other stuff. I feel like it doesn't fit with the uh, '90s that a lot of people are currently chasing, right? But it's my kind of my favorite part of the '90s, right? Yeah, yeah. Just because it was so transformative, Ex- right? So, um, yeah, I, I, my my elevator speech would be almost like academic. Like, listen to this so you can better understand this trend that you're interested mm-hmm. in, because I don't think. Um, you would without me telling you to. <laughs> so there you go. So we both agree this Fuel album is good. We do. But enough about them. Let's talk about Ray and why it's a shame about him. <laughs> As you chug off the last of oh. the fabulous Sakatuck peanut butter porter. All right, let's have it. I've been wanting to do this one. First of all, why is it a shame about Ray? Um, you know what? I've never... I know endless amounts of Lemonhead's trivia. I mean, this is a band I've seen countless times. Uh, I mean, you name it, and I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. Well, it's a shame that we don't know. <laughs> it's a shame we don't know. <laughs> shame about Ray. But did this album hold up to the oh, magic? Oh, Jesus. H. Christ. Yes, it did. <laughs> This album, when I when I first, well, you know what? Well, I'll I'll let you ask the questions, but yes, yes, yes. I've I've I'm gonna be honest. I've listened to this um, not as much over the past few years, but I mean, it's still it's still fresh. It sounds great to me. Uh, yes, it did. 
kind of the opposite end of the uh, 90s going on here. Yeah, so 1993, yeah, so 92? 93, somewhere in there. Yeah, and Evan Dondo, the thing is, is... um. He, it's he's he's always had critical acclaim uh, and and a sizable audience. A lot of people didn't like him. He's a very or he was now he looks like an old pothead. But he's he was a like a 50, he got in like the cover of People Magazine, Fifty Most Beautiful People. All this he's a good looking dude. He banged a lot of women who are models and stuff. So um, he, there's a love it or hate him type approach, you know. So, but yeah, keep keep asking or I'll just uh, I'll just say things. That that is the thing I enjoy though. When I know you love an album, I can wind you up and just let you go. Sometimes <laughs> I don't need the questions. Well, um, th- here's here's how I discovered this. I listened to a lot of shit up until I was about until I discovered this album, and, and still still music I like, but you know, like Cock Rock and Debbie Gibson mm-hmm. and music I have come to appreciate. But my brother, who always, to his credit, has liked mostly, um, he's always liked left to center music, and he always made fun of me for liking pap pappy shit, <laughs> and um, was kind of a prick about it. Uh, but I remember one. This is what happened. Uh, I there was a, a snow day, and uh, my dad was a teacher, so he also had a snow day, and we went to. Uh, Bill's Corner Store to get a pizza and rent some VHS tapes. Uh, he always would say to us, you guys pick whatever you want, but you have to let me pick out one good movie. And he would try to pick movies that had some artistic merit. He picked The Graduate. The Graduate um, had, and I just remember riding home with a hot pizza box on my lap and a stack of VHS tapes on a day where school was canceled. Probably it was Maine, so probably it was like two days canceled. So this is a good setting. But um, we watched The Graduate, and I remember I did like it, which was surprising because I was a fucking idiot at the time. You know, I was a little kid. But it started out, it was the 25th anniversary of The Graduate, and it started out with a video from the Lemonheads performing a cover of... Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel. By Simon and Garfunkel. You got it. You're trying to seduce me, aren't you? Well, I just remember thinking, like, like, this is great. I love this. It was the complete opposite of what I liked. very well done cover. Yeah, it it's is. One of my favorites. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is like a lot of the bands my brothers listened to, they almost looked too dorky. Whereas he had like he was a good looking guy. He had chutzpah. He you know he had like that's the type of thing. If if he was like a complete dork and had no chutzpah, I don't think I would have liked it as well. But the whole package was very cool to me. So then I ordered again on Columbia House all these albums, um, and uh, and I listened to this and I put it in the stereo and it felt like. It was the greatest feeling I've ever had. It felt like opening, being in your hot house, feeling disgusting, opening the door and getting blasted by this beautiful summer breeze, uh, or like a, or like a beautiful autumn drive. I just, I, I remember thinking like this is the greatest music I've heard in my life. And then I remember playing it for my brother, and he's like, "Wow, this is good." And he goes, "Good job." <laughs> this is after him being a complete prick to me about what I listened to. So not only did it win my brother's approval, which was pretty darn good to have because he liked good music and he was my brother, it was simply the best sounding thing I've ever heard. Uh, it uh, And it introduced me to a lot of other bands. They had deep punk roots, so I found out a lot of punk bands. I found out a lot of like uh, country bands like Graham Parsons, who's a huge influence on him. Um, even like, I mean, we make fun of the Eagles, but like... 
there's a little bit of comparison, I think, between early lemon or, or uh, it's a shame about Ray era lemon heads in the Eagles, like, you know, uber catchy. Um, so it, if I hadn't found this band, I just would have been a different person. I feel like I would have been like a libertarian douchebag or something <laughs> if I if I had not discovered this album. So I can believe that. I mean, <laughs> music is such a profound, <clears throat> un, like, I want to say un unnoticed is a good right. word force for formative change of your yes. opinion especially when you're a kid that's why protest songs exist right yep that's right and it's i think a lot of times if you don't hear it at a certain point in your life then that opportunity to become a different um even better person and evolve in a evolve in a better direction you might have lost that chance you know so keep keep them coming, man. These are and it might come back. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's an en- enjoyable fluidity of life kind of scenario. It most certainly is. And I I feel like there's you know kind of sneaking a peek at my turn a little bit. There's yeah. something very different about the way the Lemonheads offered because I would call them a grunge band. Yeah. Yeah, at a certain point, especially. Yeah, I'd say particularly since they were in, you know, 1993. Right. And there's something fundamentally different about Mm. the way they offered that sound that makes it interesting. And and they did it with acoustic guitars mostly. They you did. know, it was it was grunge rock with acoustic guitars. Yeah, and that's well, probably where the fundamental difference the, came right, in. Right. Although I think I heard an accordion and an organ yeah. and maybe a penny whistle on there. Somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And I mean, it, when they and some slide guitar, I definitely heard that. Some slide guitar. Yeah. I and it was the thing is the, the making of this album was essentially everybody knew he was gonna he was going to be famous and that he was going to bring uh grunge and 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 alternative music even more into the top 40 for various reasons um so and he's a very confident man like i think he's nobody is a bigger fan than evan dondo than evan dondo uh but like when they made this album they basically went to australia which is his his favorite place did a shit ton of uppers Hung out with all these celebrities, like Johnny Depp um, sat in on the entirety of this album. Uh, like a lot of people heard, like, hey, there's this cool Evan Dondo guy. He's going to be the next big thing. He makes this really catchy uh, music. It's alternative, but it has a pop appeal. And so he was just surrounded by beautiful, drugged up, uh, famous people. And then he made an album in that context. So he turned in a beautiful, in the beautiful Australia. He turned grunge into Motley Crue. That. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah. I. I think. I think. Um, Motley Crue did weirder and grosser things. I think Evan Dondo just slept with a lot of people and was high as a kite the entire time. So but yeah, it was. It was all about the party. A, uh, who can snort the grossest thing <laughs> contest with Ozzy Osbourne? Right. I say that, but there's he. He must have snorted at least one gross thing. So it might be a completely apt. Um, you never know. Yeah. At least not without him telling the story. Right. <laughs> he was there. Does he remember it? We don't know. Right. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, like, he dated Winona Ryder. I mean, oh, he did all the, the the things that the 90 hipsters the, wanted the to do. Trendy 90s mm-hmm. things. Yeah. 
So that was such a fantastic segue. It's hard to know. Where it came from there. That was so. <laughs> give me, give me one more question, then we'll turn it. We'll that turn was it to you because so much fun. I mean, yeah. Let's. I guess if we have if we're gonna go one more question on it, we have to go with your elevator speech. Uh, so the elevator speech, I would probably just burst into tears and say, "Please, please listen to this." I would say that I would tell them what I told you is that this album was made by a um, up and comer who had critical acclaim who went to Australia, did a ton of uppers, hung out with beautiful, famous people, and the result was this um, super poppy, grungy, considering when it was made, um, celebration of uh, everything that I think Nirvana uh, didn't do. Because Nirvana wasn't a celebration, and I love Nirvana. Um, uh, it's It's... This Lemonheads album is a celebration of having a good time, and you can feel it in every single song that this was made by a musician at the top of his game, loving life, ready for the next chapter, and I feel like the it is an album of joy that is contagious. Uh, I think anybody could listen to this and enjoy at least two songs on it, and I would look look at this person in the elevator grab him by the shoulders and say, this album could change your life. And then burst into tears again and wander the desert listening to this. Hit the open <laughs> button on the elevator, whether or not it's on a floor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was, that was barely an elevator speech, but like I said, this, this album is very important to me. Um, that being said, I'm going to ask a question I'm horrified to ask. And be honest, did you like this album? I did. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> a, if you said no, I just would have like smashed this on my head and threw that's, it at you. That's it. I'm done. Well, you guys have just heard the last of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, isn't it, to like uh, uh, something that's so important to you. Because I could tell you really did like Fuel. And I was afraid to tell you I didn't like that second album because it's kind of saying, like, your life experience is not appealing to me. No, it's... I've become quite a bit more thick-skinned to people not liking the things Mm -hmm. that I like because a lot of the things I like are really, really weird. (laughs) Or, in the case of Dream Theater, highly pretentious. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Highly highly pretentious and yes i will torture you with at least one record right and um and you have very specific tastes too so i do what did you um what song stuck out to you the most what song got got your head bob and you're like oh this is i like this it's cheating to say mrs robinson but it's true yeah no it's a great tune it's got a that opening track is great. Yeah, yeah. The way they roll that bass line in yep. Mrs. Robinson is just... It makes that yeah. song so much more right. fun. Right. But... Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to play other Lemonheads once for you because Lemonheads is Evan Dondo with... They're not quite hired guns, but pretty much. Um, one album he made... 
he hired everybody in the descendants except the lead singer to do. So he does a lot of stuff. Um, I believe on one album, it's basically him, Noah Gallagher, uh, of Oasis and a bunch of other guest musicians. So it's it's really Lemonheads is Evan Dondo, even though he's done solo albums too. But they pretty much just sound like the Lemonheads. Um, okay, what what original? Uh, every other song but Mrs. Robinson's original. What was a favorite original tune? Oh, let me pull up the track list again because those are. I'll be honest, they're quirky track names. Yeah, they are. They're hard. Yeah, Allison's starting to happen. Ceiling fan of my spoon, which is about. Doing heroin. <laughs> I figured. Yeah. Where'd it go? Heroin's a downer, though, isn't it? I know it's an upper until you're down. Exactly. Until you're. Rudderless is a fun one. Oh, jeez, that's a great tune. Strip it down a little Because it took me a minute to actually catch how he was singing that part. Right. And the first time I heard it, I was like, well, that's redundant as shit. <laughs> that's really boring. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's not. Never mind. It's yeah. it's actually pretty yeah. pretty intricate and pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. Um Kitchen is a weird one. Oh, that's a great tune, yeah. How could I start it in the kitchen? Did you like it? I did. It was again I wanted to kind of I wish I'd had been better at remembering mm-hmm. that this is the album he picked because i would have run out and bought it on cd oh yeah from uh, yeah. vertigo so i didn't have to find right. the uh end of the spotify special that has the entire album on demo version yeah yeah it's, like, it's good too no, i don't want to hear that one yeah it's good if you are a huge fan already um, if you buy the CD, any, any CD pressed after 2000 doesn't have Mrs. Robinson on it because he, of course, being a pretentious songwriter, didn't like that one. And he felt like he sold his soul. But it's what made him famous. So. Well, Lottie I know, yeah. You cashed yeah. the check, didn't you? Right, yeah. yeah. Then stop complaining. Yeah, and like, and, and it paid, I mean, like, he basically, he's got a cult following now. And they're all people that look like me and women who look like, Used to look like Winona Ryder, um, but you know, and everybody. And all of them hate that song. <laughs> yeah, right. And and they and they, you know, his, the concerts are are like a, almost like a praise and worship service. It's just people singing along. But he basically, you know, he doesn't have hits anymore. But he lives in Martha's Vineyard in a very cool home, and just fishes all day. Like, there's no way yeah. you could have done that had you not sold Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> I'm gonna say here that check is. Paying your mortgage, right. so. And at the time, they were looking for people to sign who were grunge rockers. And so, I mean, they were handing out really big checks. But then they closed down a lot of the little subsidiary labels, so they got to keep their advance, you know? So none of these 90s yeah. folks have anything to complain about. They ain't selling the Simon and Garfunkel one for licensing, I'll tell you that <laughs> much. much. as I love the original, yeah. it doesn't have the spring. No. It doesn't. This one does. No. And did you see Wolf of Wall Street? No. Oh, okay. It's on, it's on that. <laughs> it's like it's it cool. It's cool. You know. Uh, is there anything about his voice that stuck out to you? It rem- the package itself mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of Uncle Tupelo. Yeah, I can see that. And thus reminds me a lot of Jeff Tweedy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 
Yeah, I can see that. A little bit of Jimi Hendrix, too. A little bit. Yeah, like the, the, the timber, like the... Uh, yeah. uh, 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 There's thing. a little bit of that deep. Yeah. Vibratory. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the song, My Drug Buddy? That one was weird. Yeah. I kind of... Because that's the other... that um, Mrs. Robinson and that song were the hits off this album. I kind of tuned that one out you a did? little okay. bit almost. All right. That's actually... And that's his... Um, that's one of his favorite songs that he's written. It could be just simply as, you know, he, he, like I said, he's, I gather that he's toned down the drugs, but not completely. (laughs) So it could be that simple. If if all you have to do is wait for the royalty check and you're not, you're no longer doing yourself harm to a point where it's an issue. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Have have your fun. Just move to Oregon. It's yeah. Decriminalized <laughs> all of it. Um, did you? I had a question that was right on the tip of my tongue. Do you think it's impossible? Do you think this album aged well? Did it sound out of date when you listen to it? It does, but it sounds out of date in the same way. Like the gin blossoms. That was another uh-huh. thing I heard. Kind of a lot of. Yeah, they must have toured together. Yeah, to, like, do you yeah. like Jim Blossoms? I love the. Jim oh, me too. Blossoms, me too. And I'm hyper disappointed that that show got canceled. Right. Due to the I pandemic. hear they put on a great show, and somebody told me that it's cheap too. It, 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 it was expe- inexpensive. Someone told me that you know you see some of these bands and they'll like say we got some new songs and people are like oh Jesus please don't play it. I hear Jim Blossoms has no pretense where they say you guys are here to hear our hits. We'll play those and then get out of your hair. Well, type I think they're. I think even their newest album is almost yeah. fifteen years old at this point, right. and they have similar to this, similar to it's a shame about Ray, one of my favorite like ironic album titles of all time right congratulations i'm sorry I'm sorry yeah <laughs> new miserable experience yeah, too they're like it's that kind of wheelhouse of the kingpins right. of like majestic irony yeah kind of majestic slacker irony exactly congratulations i'm sorry <laughs> same thing with uh if you don't expect too much from me you might not be exactly. let down um, I feel like you we should, we could just pick we could do an episode where we each pick a Jim Blossoms album, you know. Could um, I love Allison Road? Oh, I love it. Um, so I can't tell if it sounds out of date to me because, um, because I'm so entrenched in it. Pitchfork did a review of this album that was actually they gave it a very positive review, which doesn't happen that often. A B, one thing they said was that it was a little out of date, but it's so catchy that it's hard not to smile a few times while you listen to it. You and kind I th- of, you know, yeah. it's it's a bit like the avocado refrigerator. It's so far gone that it's cool again. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That's probably... As a former West Side resident who had right. an avocado shower and bathtub in his apartment. <laughs> Props to that. That was so right. much fun. Um, I had one more question before the elevator speech. And, and again, it was a good one, and, and I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, did you, did you have any observations as a fairly new... Uh, like, had you heard them before? Yeah. And 
Mrs. Robinson, you'd heard. I'd heard Mrs. Robinson because it's ubiquitous. Right. It's, you know, I've heard you know, bits and snippets of other ones. Like, okay. Didn't they have a song on the Empire Records soundtrack? Yeah, they, uh, they did. Yeah, it was a cover of a Big Star song, The Ballad of yeah. El, El Guajero. Ain't no one boy turn me around. Yeah, yeah, they did. They were. They definitely were uh, on that. He was on the movie Reality Bites briefly. Um, what's that? Oh, <laughs> I was like, is that my computer? My laptop. Um, did you have any observations about his songwriting? Because he he writes. He does a lot of cover albums, um, but he also is is a songwriter. You know, uh, is, is there anything you noticed as a fairly new, it's committed listener, at least? Quirky mm-hmm. and kind of want to say intricate without being pretentious. Yeah, right. You know, it's a bit like uh, it's kind of how I feel a little bit about like Brian Vanderark's song right. songwriting or. Jeff Tweedy, mm-hmm. it's intricate without being right. full of itself, right? And I think all three of those writers, I think they're, I think they're like songwriter songwriters, mm-hmm. where it comes naturally. I, you know, I feel like all three of those examples and many others, uh, you know, like they could probably write a song in three minutes and say this sucks, and we're like, no, this is actually really good. <laughs> like, and, you know, some of the best songs take, you know. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes right right um but uh, well I'm, I'm i'm glad you liked this one it's one that i if you hadn't liked it i would have sent you like 50 different tracks just until i found one that you did like <laughs> i can make you like this album <laughs> like it yeah. well one, one thing to consider too is that should have been your elevator yeah, yeah, like, like, like chain them to the elevator right. and start playing the album over and over we're gonna sit here and tell you like until it. you like this one <laughs> well one thing that is when they started out they were like a they, uh, their early work sounded a lot like um the replacements or early goo goo dolls but not as good and then he found his his true voice but um over the it's a shame about ray and all the albums after um they're all very catchy they're all very groovy but um, there's there's there is a lot of differences. Like their album "Car Button Cloth" uh, is super depressive. Um, it doesn't have that celebratory nature to it. Uh, the more recent stuff is like really stripped down, dude with a guitar type stuff. Um, and and then they have like some experimental albums. So there's a lot of uh, I'll, I'll I'll pick other Lemonheads. What is your elevator speech to this album? This should be fun. Um, because I can't. I my brain wants to go with picking other like niche alt country, yeah, like Uncle Tupelo, right. and kind of going, "Hey, do you like Wilco? Right? Do you want to know where that came from? Right? And go listen to this, but it's not. It's nothing like that. And, but a lot of critics do say, uh, Evan Dondo Lemonheads, um was like proto alt country. Yeah, I can well there's a slide guitar. We covered there's, there's, there, slide guitar there's yeah. your country quotient. Right. There's one slide guitar yeah. on the entire album. Um I guess you know, for the elevator speech, you kind of I kind of have to go with this album isn't just Mrs. Robinson. Right. There's more. Mm-hmm. Right. And you need to find that more on your own after that. 
Right. Yeah, that is that is a good answer. And uh, I mean, his complaint about Mrs. Robinson is that it sounds like it doesn't belong in the album, and I don't agree with that. No. I think I, th- I think it fits pretty well on it. Yeah, it actually, fits fantastically. It could yeah. have been a. I know they buried it on the back end, but right? Yeah, it could have been a front side. Yeah, it could have been a front one. If they, I feel like if they would have put it in the middle, it would have been a little bit better because the the song that was supposed to end it was Frank Mills, um, which is like a really kind of slow peters out. Um, like a, I feel like Mr. Robinson should have been like track five or six on this one. Uh, the end of side A, kind of. Right. For those of you who are listening on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, good man. This is, uh, I'm, I'm going to find another one. I want to find one and see if you don't like it. <laughs> well, I love deeply snorting into the microphone. Sorry, guys. We're, <laughs> yeah. this I new, love, uh, <laughs> we, we talk about doing uppers and then. <laughs> this new, uh, our new safety <sighs> precaution here has, uh, personified some of our more fragile breathing habits. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Bear with us while we figure out what the correct distance <laughs> yeah. away from a microphone is. <laughs> but I think if you have no more questions, that leaves us with next week's picks. I almost want... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick another Lemonheads one for you. I'm going to pick... Um, it has to be 15 years, so I can't do... It has to be 20. has to be 20 years. That's what I meant. So I can't do the one they did with the Descendants. Um, in five years, I'll do that one. Let's do... Hopefully, we're still doing it. that long. Let's do Car Button Cloth. Okay. I... Dream Theater. Do you want me to do it now? Do whatever. No, have, do whatever you want, man. I have two in mind, and I'm. I feel like of, I picked like my absolute favorite, so it's time for you to pick your absolute favorite. Because you're gonna hate my absolute favorite. No, I, I might like it. Um, I've only heard like one Dream Theater song. You know what? I'm gonna save the Dream Theater, okay. but I'm gonna pick the one that I was listening to today that I realized is terrifyingly beloved to me. <laughs> okay. I am going to do Joe Satriani's Surfing with the Alien. That will, yeah, will pick that one. certainly hate it. I just maybe. may. <laughs> <laughs> you will most certainly hate it, maybe. <laughs> but I can carry that half of the podcast with my fanboyish gushing <laughs> well that's pretty much what i did on this one that's fine so thank you so much for listening to the nostalgic album podcast we are going to have more of an internet presence we say that every week but before this alex and i talked about we really are going to this time please go to our it facebook page be, it'll be live before you hear this so. it'll be live before you hear this make sure you share your own albums of things that you liked from your childhood and then ask yourself did this live up to the magic of when i heard it when i was young please be safe wash your hands stand six feet away from each other take good care of each other wear enjoy the mask. holidays wear your mask good night everybody and good night everybody good night and good luck